Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There is no person with higher integrity than Donnie Football talking about wings. He's not going to lie. He's going to just call it the way that he sees it. And if Buffalo is not better than the best of Pittsburgh, and he says that's the case, I believe him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Here's what we should do. I think in the city of Pittsburgh, up until about 4.30 on Sunday, don't order chicken wings, order boneless wings. A city-wide boycott of Buffalo wings. Oh, no. Anyway. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on the home of the Bills. WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, good morning. Thursday, Jeremy and Joe. Joe's out sick. Sal's in for him. We go to the Western Hotline, talk a little Steelers, and talk a little chicken wings. Andrew Filipponi, who is uh, a host on that very station that made those outlandish wing claims. Andrew, what do you have to say for your uh, your colleagues there? Yeah, we've had a lot of dumb things on the air in the last <laughs> six months. Um, you know, I, I at one point said that Kenny Pickett would be the next Joe Burrow. So I thought for a while I'd have to own that take as the worst thing that was said on our air. Uh, we got a leader in the clubhouse for the dumbest thing in 2024. <laughs> That's really bad. Did you? Yeah. So, so did you, as someone who spent plenty of time in Buffalo, have you come to the defense of Buffalo Wings? Is it is it about Pittsburgh Wings not stacking up, or just that you know no one can, of course? Jimmy, uh, I can't get I can't get past I can't get past the boneless wings thing. Yeah, eat bone boneless wings are are, are a joke. Um, any person, friend or foe, uh, relative or enemy that is going to make those comments like let's pick boneless wings over real wings i'm gonna object to that so that's really what i've been hung up on the last couple of days i can't in good conscience uh advocate for anybody uh, instructing or telling their listeners to do that yeah really bad andrew is uh of course on our western hotline he talks steelers on 93.7 the fan all right andrew vibe for this game um the steelers of course got into the playoffs they were – it's an odd year for Pittsburgh, right? In a team that had a good record that maybe didn't look all that impressive, and then it started to fall apart. I listened to one of your shows where you called it rock bottom, and Tomlin got it under the microscope quite a bit, and then all of a sudden they do what they do, which is they kind of finish strong and they get in the playoffs here as the seven seed. So what kind of season has it been in Pittsburgh? Well, I mean, it's been uh, a, a roller coaster. I mean, when they were seven and uh, four, it looked like they were a lot to make the playoffs. I mean, they were uh, actually they when they yeah when they were seven and two um, or seven and three, they were looking at Dorian Thompson Robinson and playing the Browns without uh, Deshaun Watson, and you know, it looked like the Steelers were not only going to make the playoffs but could challenge the Ravens for the AFC North. They lose that game. 
Um, Matt Canada gets fired, which was great. He was clueless and horrible at his job. And then they rebounded against Cincinnati, but that was uh, a one-time thing. Kenny Pickett gets injured the next game. He didn't look that good against Arizona to begin with. And then Mitch Trubisky went in, the former Bills backup quarterback, and then things really unraveled. They lose to Arizona, 2-10 and team. They lose to New England on a Thursday night at home, 2-10 and team. First time that had ever happened where a team with a winning record had lost to two teams eight games under 500 ever in the history of the NFL in back-to-back weeks. And then Mike Tomlin made the brain-dead decision to stick with Trubisky for another week in Indianapolis. We were calling that a must-win game. They lose it. Trubisky gets benched. And then here comes the much-maligned Mason Rudolph, who had done absolutely nothing in his Steelers career to this point to make anybody feel like he was going to get the Steelers into the playoffs. Then he rattles off three wins, and he hasn't just been along for the ride. He set their completion percentage record in the game last week against Baltimore in crappy conditions. He threw for almost 300 yards in their first win against Cincinnati and then went to Seattle and won, which is a tough place to play. So, Jeremy, I hope that sums it up. I mean, that's their season in a nutshell. Highs and lows all the way. So it's funny because as you talk about those highs and lows, for a long part of the season it seemed like they were a potentially – a team that's playing above really what they deserve. But then those two losses you mentioned, which were rock bottom, if those are Trubisky starts, three losses, now Rudolph, are they are they maybe getting undersold on what they can maybe offer? Uh, it depends who you're talking to. I mean, if you're talking to my listeners, they think that the Steelers are going to go into Buffalo and win on Sunday. You know, they're, they're convinced. Uh, it's very – it's one of the strangest, oddest things I've ever experienced doing a show – the way that te- that fans have done a 180 on this team and have gone from wanting the coach fired and the whole thing blown up to now thinking that they can beat the hottest team in the NFL on the road. And they're citing things like having more confidence or faith in this team's quarterback than yours, thinking that Josh Allen is just going to shoot himself in the foot repeatedly and the Steelers are going to win because they can run the ball, Rudolph can make plays, and Josh Allen's going to do three or four dumb things. And Sean McDermott's going to get out coached. I mean, it's wild, man. It's crazy, Jeremy. The amount of confidence I'm hearing in the voices of Steelers fans who legitimately think that this thing is going to roll on for another week and they're going to pull off one of the biggest upsets in the NFL in the last 30 years. You don't. Well, I mean, people people are fans, right, Andrew? I mean, you know the, the way they think. And oh, I, like I'm I sitting said, here. Jeremy Sale, fans here hated this team a month ago. Yeah, they yeah, I get it. Beating Alabama straight up in a game. <laughs> I, I do think, and um, Andrew was also on our Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast, which you can catch this morning, and I think we touched on this a little bit, the, the weather can be the ultimate equalizer. That's what scares me here from a Bills being favored standpoint is the, pay, the, the Steelers really don't beat themselves. At least that's the narrative. Would you agree with that, that they don't beat themselves? So with a team like the Bills who, hey, every once in a while you can get a bad decision from Josh Allen, the ball hits the ground off James Cook, whatever, I mean, that's the recipe for doing something like that. Well, I will admit, I will say though, Sal, they played a lot more aggressively with Rudolph than they did the other two quarterbacks. Now, yeah. now Trubisky would just do idiotic things, and he would you know kind of go off script or go rogue and just throw the ball up there. And even though they would have a conservative game plan, he wouldn't be able to help himself. And I think that's what drew the ire of not just Tomlin, but that's what caused me to freak out as a fan having to watch him play. Um, you know, Kenny was. Either his own personality coupled with their philosophy, just they played the most risk-averse offense in the entire uh, league under him, where it was let's just not turn the ball over and hope we win 
that way. With Mason, it's almost like the third bowl of porridge where he's kind of done a combination of both. But uh, the third throw against Baltimore on Saturday should have been an interception. And if that ball's caught, I just wonder how that changes things. Um, I think they'll be aggressive with him unless, unless it is a wind tunnel game like you guys had against New England a couple of years ago, in which case all bets are off and they'll just give the ball to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren 40 times if they can. But if not, I think you might be a little bit surprised, Sale, by the amount of times they're willing to take some chances with Rudolph at quarterback because mm-hmm. uh, Rudolph has that confidence in himself. Rudolph believes in himself. Okay. They don't, clearly. Tomlin won't even make Rudolph the number one quarterback on their depth chart. He's saying it's a hot hand like it's a goalie situation in hockey where the backups had a few good games in a row, won't even commit to him. But uh, Mason will try to make some plays for sure, weather permitting. How's the arm strength for that? Like weather permitting is, you know, the wind could affect both quarterbacks, both teams. And here in Buffalo with Josh Allen, we've we've seen him have success in some decent wind. Of course, you know, a certain amount of wind, nobody can have success. How, How is Rudolph with arm strength? So it's a good question, Jeremy. I don't think that it's it's not as good as Trubisky. Trubisky's got a better arm than Rudolph does. Uh, among the three quarterbacks on the roster, that's why the guy's the number two pick in the draft. He's got the best arm. Uh, Rudolph throws a very accurate deep ball, but it's a high-arcing, looping deep ball. It's not something that wows you in terms of the way that he's able to put it on a line. Now, he made a great throw against Seattle, the Pickens, under duress where again the ball came out of the picture frame for a minute because he threw it so high up in the air and it came down and George made a kind of a sliding uh, catch to help seal that game. Um, I don't know how that works in the wind. I mean I don't think that high punts really work in the wind. You see kickers go for more line drive kicks on field goals in the wind. So I would think if it's as bad as the forecast suggests that that's going to maybe take that out of his repertoire, and I don't have a ton of faith that in a game where there's consistently 25-mile-per-hour winds and gusts in the 30s and 40s that Mason's going to be able to compete with Josh Allen that way. So I think it would make them very one-dimensional. They'd they'd turn into almost exclusively a run team if that happens, Jeremy, but they've been really good at that lately. Uh, You know, they've beaten Baltimore, a really good defense, even missing starters, primarily running the ball over and over and over again. Andrew Filipponi joining us on the Western Hotline. Andrew, how about from an injury standpoint? We know T.J. Watts out of this game. Seems like Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be good to go. And How is the Steelers' defense from a health standpoint, and how well do they operate without T.J. Watt? We know the record when Watt doesn't play. They don't operate without him, Jeremy. <laughs> That's why I'm predicting them to get killed in this game. And, you know, I've had to kind of uh, – I've been more whispering that than screaming that this week. Uh, I don't want to continue rain on people's parade here yet. I was more excited that they even made the playoffs, which was really cool. But now that we're getting closer to game day, I don't have any confidence that the Steelers can win the game because of what you just said. Watt is, for my money, the best defensive player in the entire league, and their record with and without him backs that up. They're 1-10 in 10 all time. Uh, last year without him, they were losing on average by more than 10 points per game. Uh, now they are better uh, – position now in terms of backups than they were back then uh they've got uh marcus golden who started a lot of games in the nfl with arizona and they've got nick herbig who's a like a micro mini me version of watt very small but led the big 10 in sacks last year and had a huge strip sack against seattle but i mean 
fans are talking out of both sides of their mouths here. They're saying that Watt is the defensive player of the year, but, oh, yeah, we can replace him. We'll have no problem without him. Well, that logic doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, I think they're screwed without him. Their inside linebackers, guys, are just ravaged by injuries. Really bad. They're going to have to play Miles Jack, who came off the couch, uh, more than 50% of the snaps in this game. Uh, they've gotten murdered by tight ends. If you've got a good tight end, and you guys do with, with Kincaid and Knox, uh, you should be able to light the Steelers up over the middle. And I don't know what version of Minka they're getting back. He'll play, but it's a knee injury that he didn't have surgery on that he's going to have to play through. And, guys, this year uh, he's not been the Minka of the past years. No interceptions, no forced fumbles. There's been no big plays. He's been more of a guy that's had to come down and help against the run. So, yeah, I'd like, I'm like. i happy that he's back. He makes him better. But I don't know how much better without Watt. Their whole defense, it's not about scheme here. It's not about all 11 men. They've had two guys, Highsmith and Watt, that have wreaked havoc. And without those guys, I really don't know what they're going to be able to do defensively in this game. Andrew Filipponi on the Western Hotline. All right, so you paint a pretty grim picture for the Steelers. The formula for them winning is, is it just what everyone seems to think, the Bills make enough mistakes and they run the ball well enough? Yeah, I guess, Jeremy. I mean, uh, the other thing people are talking about is the game last year against Miami in the playoffs and how the Bills almost blew that. And there was good Josh Allen and bad Josh Allen. And there was even some of that last week against Miami. So that's what people are citing here and referencing, you know, that that close shaves against uh, Easton Stick a couple of weeks ago. So I've looked at the numbers at home, set eight and one or seven and one because you played the London game, and then the only loss to Russell Wilson in Denver and the twelve men on the field penalty. Like I just don't have a lot of faith. At some point, I think the Rudolph bubble does burst, and I'm guessing that it happens in Buffalo. So lines ten, I think the Bills win by thirty. All right. And before we let we you just had the news this morning of Bill Belichick, and I don't know if that's where you're going to go, Jeremy. I'm yep, sorry. That's exactly God. what I was going to um, do. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, well, first of all, your reaction to that news, and maybe even Saban and Carroll all in the 24 hour period here, Andrew, but also the future of Mike Tomlin. And I know last night you had a lot to say on that, but if you can sum it up, what you think might happen with Tomlin after the season, maybe even depending on, you know, what winds up happening with the season. Yeah, I think greater than 0% chance Tomlin is done here. Uh, I don't think it's 50%. I think it's probably closer to between 10% or 25%. But there are some things hmm. to think about for sure. I mean, the offensive coordinator got fired midseason. The owner had to step in and do that. How does that sit with Mike? What if the owner says to Tomlin this offseason, these are the, hey, we'll have you back, big contract extension, we love you and everything, here's a lot of money. But here's the offensive coordinator we want you to hire. What if uh, Art Rooney, the owner, uh, likes Mason Rudolph? We know that Mike Tomlin is playing him out of necessity. What if he says, give the guy another shot? That might not be something Mike Tomlin's interested in. What if Tomlin soured a little bit on Kenny Pickett, but the owner says, nope, we drafted him in the first round, let's ride him out. I mean, these are all things that are going to get discussed as soon as the season ends. And if Mike Tomlin doesn't agree with the owner on these things, I could see him saying, well, you know what? I'm burnt out right now. I need a rest. Not actually feeling that way, but wanting to step away for a year and then doing the Sean Payton type thing. I don't think that that's impossible. I think it's probably more unlikely than anything else, but not something that I would completely rule out. That's why Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer and those guys are talking about those things. And as far as Belichick's concerned, I just love it. I'm just so happy that things came crashing down for him. 
at the end to have such little success without Brady. I've always rooted for that guy to suck. I'm not a fan of his personality and <laughs> the way he acts, the way he went about his business. Respect that he won six championships. Don't like really anything else. Slovenly looked. Everything, his personality, his demeanor, his dour state, how stoic he is, how he's cheated against the Steelers and other teams to win championships. <laughs> I don't understand why any co- anybody would want to pay him $20 million a year to not only coach a team, but to also manage their roster when he's proven over the last half decade or so that he's terrible at it. Have you guys seen the stat of how many draft picks, first-round picks they've signed to second contracts over the last 10 years? It's hideous. Yeah. It's unsightly. He's done a brutal job as a GM. And so, his... yeah, I think he'll go somewhere, and unless he has Justin Herbert and a quarterback that he can't really screw up, he's not going to have much success with his next team either, and I will revel in that. Isn't the story... you guys will too. Yeah, isn't the story also like the last pro bowler or all pro pl- maybe all pro player they drafted was a punter? They've missed on a million picks. So. They drafted punters and kickers in the last draft, even though they needed position help, Jeremy. Yeah. Passing on wide receivers, big move with Zeke Elliott. The guy's lost his fastball. Yeah, I think well, he's done. I think it's must see TV today. All you say about like the Dower State and how he how he carries himself and talks in the media and never answers questions. There's media today at twelve to ask him about moving on. So who knows if he's up for it? One would think that he might answer some questions. We'll see. Andrew, thank you. All right, Jeremy, keep eating those wings and uh, enjoy a win. On Sunday, and once the Steelers are out, I will be rooting for you guys to get a Super Bowl. You know that. Very good. Thanks, Andrew. Bye now. Andrew Filipponi, 93.7 The Fan. Speaking of that, Sal, I texted our former program director. I mean, Andrew worked here for many years and went on to Pittsburgh. Our former, former program director, Andy Roth, who now works in Cleveland, he was here for a number of years. I asked him, who are you rooting for? Right? Like You know how this works. Sometimes maybe you live somewhere for a long time, then you live somewhere else, and when does your fandom switch if you weren't born and raised? And uh, Andy said Browns. He said Browns-Lions is what he's rooting for. And uh, said if the Bills win, that'll be just fine. But said Browns-Lions. And then made a comparison that I thought was pretty good. Imagine the Browns and Lions playing in the Super Bowl. He said it'd be like when the Cubs and Indians played in the World Series. I thought that was a pretty good comparison. You know, like these franchises that had spent decades, centuries almost, being bad. So, anyway, there you go. 8030550. I have here I know and I I just got into a, a a good like kind of Twitter back and forth here. It has my back and forth just like little one-sided. Um Brayon who's one of the uh, founders of Bills Mafia, really yeah. great guy. And and he he tweeted something about Belichick and he, you know, and and the accomplishments he's had outside of Brady. And how you're like, hey, it's not just about that. But I, I think this is a classic case of you're giving him credit for things he shouldn't get credit for necessarily. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I and 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 I hate saying that, Jeremy, because I don't ever want to sound like I think I do not think Bill Belichick sucks as a coach. I think he's a great coach, great one of the greatest ever. There's no doubt. But my point is, yes, he's had good accomplishments without Brady. He's done nice things. It's been nothing special and nothing that any other coach hasn't done. Uh, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like it, it, like for example, um, go, you know, going winning eleven games with Matt Castle, great. That's a really good job. Lots of coaches throughout history have won eleven games with lesser quarterbacks. Lots of them. What are we giving credit for here? Yeah, when Matt Castle won eleven games the year before, they'd won sixteen. It was a five game drop off at quarterback alone. 
And again, even when Matt Castle was the quarterback, it was still in this dog division that didn't have any teams that was that yeah. were good. Although Miami did win the division that that year, so I guess that was the one year without Brady. Eight oh three oh five fifty. We have better to forget it when we get back and sell. I have a. I got to figure out what the line is on this, but when it comes to Belichick and Carroll leaving, longest tenured head coaches. We'll get to those and where Sean McDermott sits in Better to Forget It. I'm trying to get a bet on the board for this. 803-0550, Better to Forget It when we return. Your calls as well on Belichick, on Bill Steelers. Boy, if Andrew doesn't make you feel better about this Bill's steelers matchup, I don't know who's going to. It's pretty low on the Steelers for this one. Jeremy White, uh, Joe's off today. Sal's in. Josh Schmidt producing. Thanks for coming along on a snowy, got a little snow on the ground Thursday morning here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Don't work for the Patriots. Okay, but listen, let me tell you how I, what scared me as a player. First day, you know, team meeting. Everybody coming in, everybody getting in. And Belichick puts on, you know, first day, no greeting, no nothing. He puts on the loss of the Jets in the playoffs or something where they went home early. And he puts it on and rips in the tom. First meeting, no practice, like everybody... And he's going on, and he's at Tom's head. And I'm like, like, is this a joke? Like, are we being yeah. punked? Because from my understanding, you don't as a coach, you don't chastise your quarterback. Nope. And you definitely don't do it in front of everybody. Right. And he laid his you-know-what out. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. So that gets- Oh, my God. And that set the tone right there for me. I was walking on eggshells from that point on. So that's the orientation. Because everybody that's in that meeting room says, if oh. he does that to that guy, Listen, what would he do? I wonder. Can you give us an update on uh, Rob Gronkowski? So that's that's, that. he... that's a, I, I, Sal, I found a clip of 10 minutes of Belichick's greatest moments. That one didn't feature Belichick. That's Chad Johnson on first take. And Chad Johnson and then Shannon Sharp on a story about Belichick and Brady. Right? Like, that's the a lot of what uh, is said about Belichick is he runs a whatever. The culture in New England was to win games and be miserable. How many. How many different players have kind of said that? And Brady, one of the reasons he was pushed out was because of his relationship with Belichick and how (laughs) Tom Brady felt like he was uh, constantly being, whatever, criticized, however you want to say it. That's a story there from Chad Johnson that uh, gives a pretty good indication. Yeah, I mean, look, again, like so – Hudson on Twitter, thank you, Justin, tweets to us, says – Brady doesn't happen without Belichick. So there's that. And I agree with that. Let me get to that for a second. It is getting connected with our fans. Brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. I totally agree with that. Like, they were the perfect guys for each other. I also want to add the caveat. He doesn't turn to Brady without Mo Lewis hitting Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe just signed right before that the largest contract in NFL history. He was their franchise quarterback. Brady was the backup. He wasn't itching to turn to Tom Brady. Let's remember that. Tom Brady went in because of an injury to the starting quarterback and never would have. Maybe down the road, if the season hadn't gone because they were 0-2 maybe, threatening at that point, whatever. Like, I guess. 
But it wasn't like Brady was sitting there and Belichick's like, I can't wait to get this guy in. He turned to him because of an injury. And it's not like he was great right away. In fact, Belichick even said that this past, maybe two weeks ago, when the Bills were playing the Patriots, and he's talking about Allen being at the you know the peak of his powers and says, once a guy gets there, he stays there. And he talked about Allen and compared him to Brady and said, you know, Tom, in his first three years or so, it wasn't really everything that Tom became. And that's when he won two Super Bowls like that as a guy that was a system quarterback, manage the game kind of guy. And then, of course, he, you know, elevated his own game to be one of the best of all time and win passing titles and throw 50 touchdowns and all that stuff. 803-0550. All right, Sal, I have a fun bet it or forget it for you. Bet it or forget it presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, official partner of WGR. First, I'll ask you the question. With Belichick and Carroll gone, there are now only three NFL coaches that have been with their franchise longer than Sean McDermott. I'm sure you can get the three somewhat easily. Mm -hmm. Three teams have had a coach with their team longer than Sean McDermott. Who are the three coaches? Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh. Who am I missing here? Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh. So you're not obviously not Pete Carroll anymore. Nope. Um, oh, Andy Reid. Yeah. This is one of those spots where I would open up an NFL page and look at the logos, and that would help me get there. You know, like, it's almost tougher to think of the teams than the correct answer in that moment. Oh, yeah, Andy Reid, of course. Only yeah. AFC, by the way. That's right. Interesting. That's the right. Top four guys. And McDermott was hired the same year as McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Those are the guys mm-hmm. since 2017. So here's the question I've got for you. Will Sean McDermott, better to forget it, ever be the longest tenured coach in the NFL. Tomlin's been with the uh, Steelers since 2007, Harbaugh since 2008, and Reed since 2013. It's a tough I say no because I think that um, you know John Harbaugh can coach another ten years. Yeah, and that's a long time to ask. You know, and the, the way that that organization runs, and it seems I know there was some unevenness last year, maybe. So I mean, you never know. But they like to be consistent there. I think that's the guy. Reed, I could see out before then. Reed, I could see leaving before. Um, Harbaugh's the one. I mean, the Tomlin can coach for a long time, but there's a lot. He, he needs to win or get very deep in the playoffs very soon because it feels like that could end this year, if not very shortly after, with a lot of the things, even including what Andrew said. Harbaugh's the one that I think would still be there. Do you know how old John Harbaugh is? 61. I'm a, I'm That's a great guess. That's exactly no, right. I only know that because I'm, I'm looking at it. <laughs> okay. The one yeah, that's, 61. And, I mean, I think he he. it seems like he's the kind of guy that could coach into, until he's 70. Tomlin is 51. Yep. And McDermott's young. McDermott's 49. So, those are your coaches. No, oh. I don't think that's right. No, it's not is right. Is it McDermott? Oh, okay. Is it McDermott? Oh, he... He's got. He's fifty now, isn't he? I thought he was. Oh no, no, no! You're right. I'm sorry. He's right. He's a year. I always remind myself. I think Brandon Bean might be a year older than me, Mc, and maybe McDermott's a year younger than me. I, I look at it in those terms. Yeah, McDermott turns fifty in a little over two months. There you go. There so, you go, yeah. um, on this point about you know longevity of coaches and all this, the guys at the top, the longest tenured coaches. Ready? It's it was Belichick, Super Bowl, Carroll, Super Bowl. Tomlin, Super Bowl, Harbaugh, Super Bowl, Reed, Super Bowls, McVay, Super Bowl. It's McDermott and Shanahan. 
right now that are the guys that have not had it yet that are long tenured and anybody you know after that Mike McCarthy has one he's been with the Cowboys since 2020 not that long so you know winning a Super Bowl you're a made man you get to stay for a long time and McDermott and Kyle Shanahan are right now tied in terms of longest but without a Super Bowl berth of course Shanahan has had an appearance we'll see if that changes which quarterback has the most on the line for legacy this year? Which quarterback has the most on the line for legacy this year? Ooh, okay, so it's definitely not Mahomes. Right. I almost think Mahomes winning it would be annoying and the NFL should hate it yeah. because it would be boring. Like, come on, you're bad. So the way you I look at this question a lot of times... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you, your team's having a down year. Please don't win it. Let somebody else, please, no, not actually let them do it. But if I'm the NFL, I want someone else to get one. So the way I look at a question like this a lot is, boy, if they lose, that really hurts their legacy. Um, or I'm sorry, if the way I look at it is a lot of times, boy, you know, if they win, you know, it really helps their legacy. Maybe I should look at it the other way. I'm not really sure because – I do think that Josh Allen has a lot on the line. I mean, this is a guy that is considered one of the best in the league every year, and he has not won yet, and that's going to keep being a thing until he does. Lamar Jackson, the same, but Lamar does have an MVP to fall back on. But if Lamar gets another MVP, which he probably is going to this year, then he doesn't win one. There's a lot on the line there. Hey, he's going to win some MVPs, but you know, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Um, legacy. That might be it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that might be it. I think I, I think you're probably looking at those two guys for uh, ah Dak. Maybe? I was just going to say Dak. Like don't... what what can Dak do with his legacy if he won? Because right now he's been in charge the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, one of the better quarterbacks, better in the league over the last decade, but has not won one. Right, yet. and Dak is 30 compared to Allen being 27. So that's right. Dak's got fewer years left. It is kind of funny if, if Mahomes is not in the picture, if he manages to lose somewhere along the way, and no Burrow, Stafford, I don't know if he's going to make – you have a chance at some some new blood, whether that's Lamar or Allen or – I mean, the idea of C.J. Stroud getting to the Super Bowl would be wild, but it's kind of a, a little bit of a new year in these uh, these playoffs, so that's good. Can I, can I throw a guy out there that would be – what would it be amazing for his legacy is Joe Flacco. Yes. Right? It would be wild. The Browns, it's, it's it's funny, like, trying to figure out what the Browns are, it's it's different, Flacco, from the rest of it. Because they were so bad offensively for a good stretch there, their defense carried them. And now with Flacco and Amari Cooper, they've had a bit of a bump. We'll see. We'll see. Stafford is a good answer here. We had somebody tweet in the idea of legacy. Like, Stafford is a borderline Hall of Famer. If he wins a second one, he gets in. Period. Right? Eli Manning, I know, is not a guarantee with two Super Bowls, and there's a good debate to be had about him. Stafford has been a great passer his entire career. He's stuck in a, a, a rough franchise. If Stafford wins a second Super Bowl, like, lock it up. He's going. And there's plenty of there's, there's people making yeah. a case that Stafford should maybe be in the MVP conversation this year. He doesn't have the numbers when you just Google who's got the best stats, but in terms of where would a team be without him, and without, without Stafford, where would the Rams be? Uh, five and twelve, he's been great. He's having a great year, which is kind of cool to see. One more better to forget it. Uh, Sens and Sabers tonight, seven o'clock. Boy, Sal, the Sabers—they're on pace for seventy-six mm. points, which would be a horrific drop-off 
from last year. Yeah. I mean, just, I was there the other night. Yeah, you were there for uh, another. I mean, Seattle. There've been a lot of frustrating losses, and a lot of them at home too. A lot of yeah. flat out going back to last year. They were not as good as home at home. That's right. That's right. I don't even know what to say about better. Forget it on the Sabers. Just like what? What's their? What are they going to do? What are we all going to do tonight? They play the Senators. Sneaky Joe, who's off today, put out this stat, which is kind of wild. So the Senators and the Sabers are both in these massive rebuilds with all this talent. They're supposed to get better, and they've both fallen flat this year. And Joe pointed out that while yes, these two franchises do have playoff droughts, lengthy ones, and they're both at the bottom of the conference this year and having a really rough go of it, that the Ottawa Senators have played 42 playoff games since the last Sabres playoff game. 42! It's just so frustrating. It's tough. I think I think you're I think you like Don Granado. I like Don Granado. Yeah. I, I think Don did a really nice job with this club last year. I mean, but it's 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 a tough conversation because this is what you do in hockey, right? You change coaches, and you have said that many times. Like, just change the coach, right? Like, a lot of times the coach doesn't matter as much, or maybe it does. I don't know what your philosophy is, but I know you've been on board with that. But I, I don't want to see this coach change. But I also know the reality of the situation is they have to have that conversation. It's a lot like what revolved around Sean McDermott with a lot of fans when the team was 6-6 six and six at that area. And, you know, and I never supported changing Sean McDermott. I think in football, especially in the middle of the season, is a much different deal with a 16- or 17-game season as well. But... You know, that's where the territory we are, and we have been for several weeks here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against really any move that they would make. I, their, their drought has been defined by inaction, and action would speak. But they are an organization that tends to just wait until it's too late on a lot of things. So, Well, what wouldn't help now is at this particular point, this season – is like offloading some of the young talent for veteran guys who can... I don't think that's going to help right now. I think they're too far back. I guess you could do it. You could try. I think it would almost be like futile, and it would turn out bad in the long run for them because they wouldn't make it, and then you'd say, well, guess what? We didn't make it, and we still don't have Yuri Kulik or Matthew Savoy or someone like that. Better to forget it. Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, official partner of WGR. Jeremy and Sal with you. We'll check in on Cleveland and the Joe Flacco story coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. You can also give us a call on your vibe for Bills Steelers on this uh, wintry Thursday. We'll also keep track on the weather for Sunday's game, which looks like uh, – what did Pat Hammer text you? It's going to be messy. Was that the, was that the quote? Ugly. ugly. It's going to be ugly. He okay. also updated a little bit of the forecast, and he wanted to say he recalculated the wind chill, expected to be between 5 and 10 degrees. Okay. So instead of the teens, sure. So that's the feel of the t- temperature, you know, five, it's going to feel like five or 10 degrees. Like it'll have a very, very cold feel, obviously. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I'll be ready. I got my gear. I'll be ready. Jeremy White, Sal Capaccio here on WGR. Contest time. We've got a giveaway for you. Caller number five will win a pair of tickets to see Colin James at OLG Stage at Fallsview Casino Thursday, January 25th at 830, and a $100 credit for Overtime Sports Lounge dining that night as well. Must be 19 years or older to win and attend. For tickets, visit fallsviewcasinoresort.com. Call 2214-WGR. 
Call number five wins, 221-4-WGR. Jeremy White with Sal Capaccio here. I had a I had a playoff, a hockey and football playoff thought comparison yesterday, and it's a little bit of a weird one, but go with me on this, Sal. I've had fun this week getting, like yesterday, we got mad at the Steelers because of the, the chicken wing thing, right? I had fun getting mad at them, and the idea of making fun of Pittsburgh and the Steelers has been great. We only get a few days to do it, and then the game's over. And I was reminded that in the hockey playoffs, granted that they've been a long ways away, but in the hockey playoffs, you get a good solid two weeks and sometimes as many as seven games to, you know, talk trash, go back and forth. Seven-game series are really good to build up some big hatred. Think about how much we hated Ottawa playing them in the playoffs mm-hmm. two consecutive years. Think mm-hmm. how Think how long... The, the hatred for Carolina lasted. You know, the, 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 oh, the series... Still there. Right, exactly. The series ended, and some people are still mad because, you know, you get so worked up about an opponent after two weeks. The Flyers, the the Canadiens for old, older Sabres fans, the Bruins, those rivalries in hockey playoffs sometimes can just burn forever. And in, you know, a one-game series, it's fun to kind of try it on, but I'm not sure that I'm going to be thinking about the Steelers for, you know, five years. Even if they were to somehow knock the Bills off in this game, I just I just don't think it'll happen. But anyway, no, it's a it's a it's a um, you know I I don't even think it's as much as Cleveland. Like it's funny, Bulldog had his rankings of like rivalries, and I said you know they only played Cleveland one time in the playoffs. It was a heartbreaking loss, thirty four thirty, nineteen eighty nine season. But I feel like Buffalo and Cleveland, like Bills and Browns, are kind of a rival because of where they are located geographically and the type of cities they are and the type of fan bases they have. I don't think you have to have necessarily all that built-up wins and losses stuff to be a rival. It helps, certainly. But I think you can be a rival for other reasons. And I do think Buffalo and Pittsburgh have had a nice rivalry in its own right over the years, but it doesn't rise to the level of a lot of these other teams that we've seen and talked about and uh, you know played against here. Yeah. We'll talk Browns coming up next segment. Uh, we've got a conversation for you about what – the Browns are looking for this week with uh, their matchup against the Texans. It's Nathan Zagura, analyst for the uh, on the Browns broadcast, and uh, yeah, what are they getting out of Joe Flacco, who has been good, but their offense was so bad that maybe that's that's part of the reason he looks so good. Jeremy and Sal with you, Nathan Zagura of the Browns broadcast joins us on the other side, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep rolling towards this Bill Steelers game as well. Eight oh three oh five fifty to join us on WGR.